Last minute escapes. In the sun? What is the best airline? Or the worst airline? What happens if my flight is delayed? Or cancelled? Would I be put on a new flight? Or would I be refunded? What if it takes me days to get home? Hmm. Benefits of a UK staycation. When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Witch Shorts podcast. I'm Rob Lilly. Now this is the podcast where we bring you the very best articles from across Witch. And I promise you, this week you're in for a treat. If you're after the perfect slice of escapism, this is the episode for you. Over the next few minutes, we're going to be transported to the tropical paradise of Costa Rica, enjoying life high up in the mountains before relaxing on the idyllic coast. To read us this article... Originally written by Shafiq Megji, I'll hand you over to Harry Kind. Monteverde Cloud Forest. Even the name is evocative. After clambering up a steep and muddy section, I reach a blustery viewpoint. Though the swirling mist obscures the view, the magnitude of the moment isn't lost on me. I am standing on the continental divide separating two watersheds. The rain on my right will drain away into the Pacific Ocean, while that to my left will eventually merge with the Atlantic. It's easy to idealise Costa Rica from afar. The Central American country has nearly 6% of the world's species, despite accounting for just 0.03% of its landmass. Almost a third of that is a protected national park. Its people, or ticos as they are known, enjoy happy, healthy lives. Not only do they rank highly in global well-being indexes, but the Nicoya Peninsula is a recognised blue zone because of the large number of inhabitants that live beyond the age of 100. The national motto is Pura Vida, which means pure life, a catch-all phrase for everything from hello and goodbye to cool and no worries. Pura Vida. On my first morning in Costa Rica, I'm itching to get straight to the country's beating heart. So following a typical breakfast of gallo pinto, or painted rooster, a reference to the speckled, multicoloured appearance of this rice and beans dish, usually served with eggs, I shun the slower public bus in favour of a four-hour shuttle. Driving northwest out of the central valley, we skirt the Gulf of Nicoya, passing roadside coconut water cellars and at one point a fiercely contested school baseball game on a dusty field. Eventually the bumpy road corkscrews uphill and the landscape concertinas into the intense green ridges of the Cordillera de Quilaran, its upper slopes blanketed with cloud forest. Monteverde Cloud Forest Biological Reserve is undeniably its most famous. Well-marked trails take you through a cool, humid realm of soaring trees carpeted in wispy moss and lichen. Myriad shades of green, emerald, jade, lime, snooker ball bays are interspersed with flashes of orange or red. Ducking and weaving, I make my way around spiky bromeliads, dangling lianas and giant swaying ferns. Created in 1972 by scientists and local Quakers, The reserve protects a pristine section of mist-shrouded rainforest at altitudes of 1,000 to 1,500 metres. The sun struggles to penetrate the thick, low-hanging cloud, 
which causes a lower rate of evaporation and drenches the plants below. It's this moisture that promotes this area's rich biodiversity. Abundant it may be, with 448 species of birds and 126 species of mammals to be exact. But other than the raccoon-like coatees and the odd monkey crashing about the canopy, the wildlife is nowhere to be seen during my afternoon visit. To maximise my chance of sightings, I have to adapt to their schedule, so I book a night walk at the nearby Kinkayo Forest Reserve. As darkness descends, my guide, Hero, takes me along a trail crisscrossed with serpentine roots. Scanning the foliage with torches, we spot sleeping toucans and a two-toed sloth climbing a tree trunk with uncharacteristic speed. More disconcerting is a neon green and highly venomous pit viper and a hand-sized tarantula lurking in a knot of wood. Thanks to Hero's keen eye, I also glimpse tiny butterflies with transparent wings and June bugs, bioluminescent insects that flicker through the air like sparks of a bonfire. We call them maybugs in Costa Rica, Hero explains, as they appear earlier in the year here than in the US. But climate change means they now pop up as early as March. If it continues, we'll have to rename them, he muses. My base for the next few days is the village of Santa Elena, the gateway to the Monteverde region. Although increasingly touristy, the streets are jam-packed with guest houses, tour companies and souvenir shops. It does manage to retain a certain charm. Prices are relatively high in its restaurants and cafes, but so is the quality. Choco Cafe is a favourite, serving up tasty Tico and Mexican dishes, plus superb coffee and cinnamon rolls. The wider Monteverde region is renowned for adventure sports such as ziplining, but the next day I opt for a more sedate activity, a Café de Monteverde coffee tour. Guide Harle shows me around a family-owned finca or coffee farm on a hillside below the cloud forest. It's a fascinating insight into the planting, harvesting, processing and roasting of the grano de oro, the golden bean, a nickname derived from its seismic impact on the Costa Rican economy. A dollar from every tour is donated to counteract climate change, support local education and cultural, youth and economic projects. We finish with a tasting session, trying and sometimes managing to pick out flavours such as tobacco, chocolate, vanilla and berries. My heart is soon skittering from the caffeine. You won't sleep later, Harley remarks with a wink. Still, I have no problems nodding off when I turn in for the night, thanks to the lulling sounds of the rainforest. The quickest and most scenic way to travel from Monteverde to my next stop, Arinal, is a four-hour jeep-boat-jeep ride, though minibus-boat-minibus is more accurate. After traversing a series of undulating hills that looked like as if a green handkerchief had been dropped on a game of marbles and scrunched tight, then passing fincas with corrugated iron roofs and thickets of banana palms, we reach Lago Arena, its namesake volcano looming in the distance. Enlarged in 1979 as part of a hydroelectric project, Lago Arenal is popular with kayakers, windsurfers and anglers, hoping to snag a rainbow bass. As we cross the lake, tiny birds zip alongside the boat like fighter planes. On the far side, the roads are smoother and the foliage more tropical as we drive onto La Fortuna, a touristy town in the shadow of Costa Rica's most famous volcano. After four centuries of tranquility, Volcan Arinal erupted violently in 1968, destroying several villages. 
It then treated locals and visitors to regular firework displays over the next 42 years, before falling dormant again in 2010. The pyrotechnics may be on hold, but Arenal remains a remarkable sight. That is when it's not obscured by cloud, which is how I find it arriving at my lodge on the fringes of La Fortuna. Fortunately, there are plenty of activities on offer, from hot springs to nature parks, as well as numerous good restaurants, notably Tikichia. It serves up hearty Tico cuisine, including casados, which literally translates to married man, because of the similar meals eaten at home. That's meat or fish dishes, accompanied by rice, black beans, fried plantain, salad and tortilla. On my journey to Parque Nacional Volcán Arinal, Wilson, my talkative taxi driver, regales me with tales of local jaguar sightings. Big cats, and thanks to persistent cloud, the upper half of the volcano, remain elusive during my hike. But the scenery more than compensates. The main trail leads down an avenue of five metre canes and through a patch of rainforest, before tracing an old lava flow. It's an assault course of jagged, irregular-shaped rocks. Later to a chorus of bird calls that sound variously like car alarms, mobile ringtones and a creaking door from a horror film, I stumble across one of the biggest trees I've ever seen. A 400-year-old, 30-metre-tall kapok, or keba. On my last morning in La Fortuna, my luck changes. The clouds finally part to reveal Arinal's perfectly symmetrical 1,633-metre-high cone, vaguely resembling Japan's Mount Fuji. Wonderstruck, I barely have time to snap a few photos before the mist closes in again. But that brief magical glimpse is enough to sustain me on the five and a half hour drive south to Manuel Antonio, a winding stretch of hotels and restaurants on the central Pacific coast. The town is short on character, but the glorious surroundings of sandy beaches, dense jungle and soaring cliffs ensure that it doesn't disappoint. The forests and mangroves of its namesake national park also hum with wildlife. I head to Playa Espedilla Norte, where the sea is bathtub warm and the rolling waves are perfect for body surfing. Outstretched on the palm-shaded beach, drinking fresh coconut water and gazing out across the Pacific, at a view that, at long last, doesn't elude me. I'm convinced I've found it. My own little slice of the Pura Vida. British Airways operates direct flights around 11 hours from London Gatwick to San Jose Airport, though it's usually cheaper to fly via the US on a connecting flight, stopping in Miami or Atlanta. Public buses are the cheapest way to get around the country. Privately run shuttle buses are a faster, though pricier option. They're easy to book online and generally have aircon and Wi-Fi on board. Hiring a car provides more freedom, but isn't essential for visiting Monteverde, the Arena region, or Manuel Antonio. Book accommodation well in advance during the high season. Thank you so much to Harry for taking us through that piece, and to Shafiq Megji too, the author of this article which was originally written for the May issue of the Witch Travel magazine. Remember, you can find more articles that you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. And you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts. And thanks for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker. 